This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you doing today? Uh, doing well. You've wrapped up. Maddie B, we're, we're about to get hit by this bad weather, so we're, we're recording this, what, Tuesday mid-morning. Yeah. Uh, Maddie B, fresh off of his first year on the LSU beat, men's and women's has ended, and within uh, two days, it appears, he's grown a full beard for the people <laughs> who are uh, not watching on YouTube, um, but the man... The man has now been home for one day and grown a full beard. Was, right, this is my off-season look. It was a long look. year. Right, I already, I already got the off-season look going. Just you know, fully just grow it out, and um, just the, all the stress of the year is gone at this point. All right, well, let's okay. So let's be real, um, or serious for a second. Uh, you came from North Texas. You got on the LSU beat. You covered the men's and women's team from the start. Uh, did a great job. I know everyone listening to the podcast has enjoyed following all your stuff. So I know we wanted to start this out rehashing both sides. Um, and let's start with the women's because we can then segue to men and then on to the higher McMahon. Um, but I'll ask you, you before this tournament started and you saw the seeding, uh, and let's uh, let's set the tone here. This is a team that won nine games a year ago with a lot of the same players they have right now. So Kim Mulkey, and I'll let you open up on that. You were at the press conference, but after the game, talked a lot like she did about a month ago when LSU started cracking the top 10 when she said, look, it doesn't matter how this ends because what they've done to win 25 games after winning nine, uh, and as she said, they were never trouble off the court. They bought in. They bought into the new staff, and we saw the results, and you saw the PMAC all year. I mean, by the end, uh, it's packed out uh, for last night's game. We were both there, and it was a great environment, but they lose to Ohio State. Is this about what you expected? You knew the talent they had. Finishing second in the SEC, I think Mulkey said it last night, we finished second in the SEC. We beat a lot of teams we had no business beating, mm-hmm. and we did it a bunch. So when you kind of set the stage of this, did you say it's Sweet 16 or bust? Did you say, hey, you just need to win one game, and that'll be good enough because they drew a tough Jackson State team that hadn't lost since December and an Ohio State team that's got one girl who's a certified bucket. I mean, her and Kayla Pointer were going back and forth for 25, yeah. 30 points. So your thoughts just on how it ended. It, was this about where you expected your the ride to stop? It is, but only because of Alexis Morris's injury. Like, that was the, the biggest hindrance. And the biggest disappointment, really, was her going down with that sprained MCL. And the team was just never the same. After that, like it, it reminded me of the Xavier Pinson injury for the men's and where Pinson came back and he just clearly was never back yeah. to where he he played. Um, and it was the same thing with Lex. I mean, you really feel for her because she comes back in. She plays 14 minutes into Ohio State. Uh, she hit that one three early and I was like, maybe she can do it. Maybe she can give us some of that, you know, magic that she had early in the year where she was putting up 15 a game. 
but she only ends up with three points. I mean, Mulkey was scared to play when they were pressing. I think that tells you basically everything that you need to know about her knee situation. So with that being the case, like I picked them to, I, I think at full strength, they could beat Texas. Like they are a team that could get, could have got to the elite eight without Alexis. I'm just happy they beat Jackson state. Like that's the whole thing for me. Just get out of the first round. Um, Cause I don't, a 14 seed has never been a three seed in the, in the women's tournament. And that Jackson state team was damn good. Just the, athletically they could match up. They hit and went eight of 11 from three to start the game. It's like, I'm surprised they won that game with how Jackson State played. But so to get that win, you know, it kind of it gives you two games in the PMAC of a postseason. And it was a great, like you said, great environment. Awesome. The support that this community has shown this program has been unreal, really. So, yeah, I want to I mean, thank all the fans that made that possible. But this team was just they overexceeded expectations. And I think it's it's fair to say that winning a game in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2014 solidifies what they did. um, It reinforces what they did in the regular season. So yeah, that's, that's my take on it. I'm, I'm just happy. And I I enjoy covering basketball, as you know, so anything um, I get having a second team to cover that's playing this well um, is, is a lot of fun. Yeah. And look, shout out to the girls. KP is obviously a name we'll, when referencing LSU women's basketball that we'll remember for a long time, she set a ton of records. She went out with a bang. I mean, it was her game in the second half to try to will them back um, well over 30 points. Jalen Cherry had an amazing game against Jackson State. Uh, she talked about coming back to show off some of her offensive skills. Certainly did that. Um, but as you mentioned, Alexis Morris, who will be back next year, uh, as Mulkey said. Now, I mean, you could t- she was at 20%. And as you said, they didn't even put her out there at the game when they were having to press. But um, you know, Ryan Payne stepped into a bigger role. Foss didn't have a great night last night, but she's someone who stuck around with this program for a while. Um, you could go up and down the list. Awa uh, played a good bit the past two games uh, and a lot last night, especially in the second half when they tried to get back in it. So mm-hmm. um, happy for the girls that they had that sort of success and, and were able to taste the postseason and get a win and, and certainly be a part of, uh, as Mulkey said, rebuilding the the culture and and re- rebuilding, really setting the foundation. And that's what she said this team's done. And and Maddie Beatty's last two games I was watching uh, underneath the basket, kind of when they warm up and then sitting at the very end of the bench and right behind it uh, was Flauge, uh, I believe, both both times, uh, who's mm-hmm. obviously a McDonald's All-American, one of their top signees. So you already get a sense that this thing, they're about to add some talent to this roster. And uh, they've got, what, three signees are going to have a couple of transfers, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, a pretty – Pretty nice foundation to start, and I think the skill level is going to rise immediately uh, next year. But uh, it was fun to watch, and, and certainly the PMAC had not been packed like that for a women's game and uh, a women's season in a long time. They set the attendance record uh, as well for the whole season. So yeah. uh, good on Mulkey. Great hire by Scott Woodward. We'll talk about another one here in a bit. Um, but I guess we'll reverse for a minute, and everyone's talked about it plenty, and and I know people are sad that Wade's gone. And, and now that a new coach has been hired, a lot of fans, I should say, are sad that Will Wade's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that a new hire has been made, we're kind of turning the page. But before we do, same question. Is this about where you expected LSU to tap out, not getting out of the first weekend, maybe not getting, you know, running up against a team, which we thought ahead of time this might be a good matchup for them. But Iowa State plays really great defense, and all of a sudden they're shooting the lights out, um, you know, from three or different parts of the game, stretches of the game. Do you think – is it one of those things that after Wade was fired right before 
the NCAA tournament begins, you kind of st stepped back and said, all right, anything they do from here is house money. Or uh, I think there was always the anticipation that if they got out of the first weekend, which they've only done once in the Wade era, they made the Sweet 16 the other year that actually he was suspended mm -hmm. for the postseason. Um, but the, I think when you saw them, they were never ranked really inside the top 15, 16 all year. So if you were going to get it out of the first weekend, it was felt like overachieving. Yeah. Uh, they don't get out of the round of 64. They were kind of always a team ranked around the 30s, about what you expected. Pretty much. Um, I, I still think on paper they should have won this game. I mean, with how poorly they played on offense, I, I feel like if we just had a normal LSU performance, I, they probably win this game. And if we get a normal Iowa State shooting performance, they probably win this game. Uh, Tyrese Hunter, for them, goes 7 of 11 from 3 and hits some daggers in the second half. And you're just like, all right, there you go. It's over. When he hit that 3 over days at the end, you're like, it's, they win. Like, you you win. Congratulations. And because LSU just didn't have that at all. They didn't have shot makers. They didn't have guys to create, really. Um, I, I, I feel bad for Xavier, man. Because it's clear he just wasn't 100% the entire rest of the way. And after the game, he was just like, he said he, he sucked after, since coming back from the injury, which I thought was kind of harsh. But he just he wasn't playing well. Um, Murray, 3 of 8. Monty, 3 of 9. Like, Tari, 5 of 9 is, is your best player. But he's always in foul trouble. So, yeah, I, I, I still think they should have won the game. I think that loss is disappointing. But Iowa State is beat Wisconsin in the next game. So they're very formidable, as we know, the Big 12. But, yeah, just to, you know, to make the tournament and then to have to play under those circumstances is, is tough. So you give them a little bit of a pass, but at the same time, you, you wish this team would have at least realized its potential in that first game. I feel like for LSU fans and, and maybe in basketball circles, certainly, and we'll see where the Matt McMahon uh, era goes, the new head coach that Scott Woodward has hired from Murray State. but. Wade had gotten this team competitive again, and, and obviously he's, he's gotten into hot water with recruiting, but the reality was is that they were setting themselves up to where this year's team without Adam Miller, you, it became, okay, how far can you go? But next year, and I feel like, you know, the Wade era ends, but next year would have been, you're bringing in, you know, multiple five stars. You're um, got a guy like, what, Adam Miller coming back. You've got... Gaines and Murray and, you know, Milani and all these Potential. different guys all set to come back again. I mean, you were going to lose days in pension. You've got Fudge, who uh, never really found that footing this year, but you knew as a high ceiling. You've got O'Neal, who started to seem like he was turning a corner. Um, certainly, they would have flirted with the – yeah, right. You've got Efton Reed, who, uh, you know, after another year of development, you felt like, okay, he could be really, you know, solid for you in year two. And bringing in maybe another transfer, whatever it might be, you thought, okay, this is the team that's going to be the best that they've had for, in the weight era, certainly, but the best that LSU's had in, in a while in terms of depth, in terms of starting five. And now as we kind of transition into this new era, um, a lot of that you got to presume and is kind of tossed out the window. And, and I, I guess this will also be a segue into starting to talk about a new hire. But right now we don't know what's going to happen with anyone currently on the roster and we've already seen everyone, both signees have decommitted. Marvel Allen, their five-star for next year, is decommitted. Johan Trehor, who didn't sign but is committed for this class, hasn't said anything yet, but there's been a lot of smoke around Auburn and other teams, and clearly uh, it's a blood-in-the-water moment. There's an expectation, I think, that LSU fans, correct me if I'm wrong, 
should take into this, even after the hire of Matt McMahon, of anything you can salvage, and you can probably bet on salvaging zero from the recruiting class that they had. I mean, what, four yeah. guys total, I'd imagine, unless they're flipping one of these guys back, which I don't think that they probably will, no. and with Trey or I mean, there's just, it's not like college football. There's so many options to go out there and play uh, at a big level or, or get a chance at the big dance or postseason play or put your name in the NBA spotlight. And because of that many options and the uncertainty at LSU and are they getting any sort of postseason ban coming, which I think is important in recruiting. I mean, a loss of scholarship or two could hurt, but in the NIL era, does that change that? Can you make up for ground that in, you know, in that way, in any, you know, shape, you know, form or fashion, you can't, NIL can't do anything for you with not being allowed to play in the big dance. And if a kid's one and done or wants to just come in as a transfer for a final year, he wants that opportunity. So I'm going in with expectations that the recruiting class is completely gone. And even if you convince O'Neill and Fudge or O'Neill and, you know, Murray or Gaines, you know, yeah. two guys or one guy, yeah, that's wanting, a huge yeah. win. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge win because I'm moving under the expectation. These are all Wade's guys. I don't know if any of them are going to stay. Um, yes, I think it's pretty good that Scott Woodward got the higher end so that he can go to work on the current roster. But as soon as Wade was gone, the feeling around the program was all these guys are about to leave. And I think you can even say, can Matt McMahon convince him to come back? For me, it's still tough because if they don't know if they can play in a postseason, if they don't know what the penalties are, you know, the clock is ticking on all these guys, their eligibilities or, or their you know aspirations to play one more year of college and go pro. Um, it all gets shorter by the day. So I'm moving forward, and I don't think it's an indication of how good of a recruiter Matt McMahon is, his current It's going to be a rough year when you look at what they had, what we thought they were about to be, and what they're actually going to be next year. Yeah, there's there's a few ways of looking at this, and I think we have to remember they this team has now made the postseason three straight years, right? So if there was a postseason ban, I, this is a this is a group of guys that is used to playing and for in meaningful games, right? And so with that being the case, I I do think it does something, and uh, at least to the players' approach of coming back. And the second thing we have to remember is. Will Wade did not recruit like you know Louisiana kids. They didn't. He didn't recruit kids that are close to home. This isn't the same thing as in football, right? You can go get a five star anywhere in the country, as we saw with um, Julian Phillips, with uh, Johan Trauer, and these are just players that they don't have ties to Louisiana in that way. So they're not playing for the state per se. You know, they're obviously it's it's a piece of them whenever they play here like Darius Days from Florida playing for LSU loves Louisiana now but it's to me like if you look at a guy like Efton Reed <clears throat> I don't look at him and be like oh well there's x y and z reasons for him to stay I I think he, he could get offers elsewhere but I don't see why he would say so that's why the feeling we had was all right who's leaving when are they leaving like we we're going to be ready when they do leave but nobody's left yet and so now we're just kind of waiting. Did Scott Woodward tell all them, can y'all just wait for a second until we hire somebody? Let him come in and talk to y'all. And then you make your decision. And that's kind of what I feel like is going on right now. I feel like Woodward and then we're just like, just give us like one week. If you don't like the hire, if you don't like him, or not even if you don't like him, if you just want to explore your options after, after he talks to y'all, then go ahead. But 
like Tari Eason hasn't even like declared for the draft yet. Like we we nobody's said anything. So uh, I, I think McMahon will have an opportunity to keep them. But to your point, if they leave, it is not an indictment on his recruiting ability. In my opinion, I'm going into this with a complete um, clear canvas. Like it's nobody has to stay in order for me to have an opinion on on McMahon. So uh, I'm anticipating all the recruits gone. I'm antis- I'm and just my mindset is that everybody's gone. It's a clear canvas for for him to work with at this point whoever stays is bonus for him uh but other than that he's gonna have to hit the transfer portal he's gonna have to just piece together a roster for this upcoming year and then kind of go from there i think it's fair i think that it's tough for lsu fans to swallow knowing where things were going but the reality is 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 that's kind of where we're at so um let's rewind quickly though they named matt man the head coach he gets a seven-year deal, and I had talked about this on the board, that I heard it was going to be seven years around roughly $3 million a year. Um, he starts out around $2.6 million uh, per year, and it'll go up 100000 every year uh, no matter what. And then he's got incentives built in, like if he wins the SEC regular season or the SEC tournament or gets to the big dance or makes it past the first round or into the Sweet 16 and so forth. So yeah. it's under three hundred. It's under $3 million, but it's got the chance to creep up there. Uh, but I think the length of the deal, because $3 million is about what is the industry standard right now for these schools. Like Florida, for instance, just hired a new basketball coach, right around $3 million. Missouri's working towards a new basketball coach, same numbers. So this is about the expected range. I think what I kind of we heard early on, John Brady even said this, was look for them to give them someone more than a three to four year deal. Because you don't know, it's, you can't get a great coach or you know someone you really want out there if you have looming sanctions that you don't know the penalties of yet, right? Like LSU, even with firing Will Wade in that statement, they said, this is not an admission of guilt. We're going to fight a lot of these. So we don't know ultimately what the penalties will be, but a seven-year deal carries a coach through all of that. I mean, you know, and then you're, uh, you bought in to say, hey, look, you're not a stepping stone for us to let's go hire someone, get us through this, you know, potential probation era, and then we'll turn around the back end and hire the guy we really want. Uh, and Matty B, you kind of heard that early on. Tony Bennett was the name uh, who was tossed around a bunch at Virginia, who um, certainly is one of the top 10 coaches in college basketball, has had a ton of success. He's won a national championship, uh, coaches at a powerhouse basketball school and a tough conference. So that fit all the sort of standard Wood, Scott Woodward coaching search checklist things, right? Like I'll pay a bunch of money, get a guy's one national championship and knows how to compete at the highest level and when it seemed that those two sides couldn't come together they quickly moved on you mentioned cleveland state's head coach um obviously murray state's murray state's head coach matt mcmahon ends up being the guy uh but those two were being looked at by a lot of sec schools like i mentioned south carolina is in the mix for jobs Mm -hmm. Um, florida just hired a job missouri was hiring a head coach and uh, you sort of saw the dominoes fall uh, with a lot of people who seemingly had similar targets, as if these were kind of that core group of four or five guys who were thought to be those next guys to break through, uh, you know, into a big, you know, SEC level type of job. When you look at, and you did some nice breakdowns, he comes with a 70% win percentage. And I wrote this down yesterday. I'm, let me make sure I have this. Uh, this is, a, I thought it was a good stat, at least to give you a feel for kind of the trajectory of of what Woodward's trying to hire. 
So in the five coaches since Dale Brown at LSU, John Brady, who had some success, certainly went to a Final Four. Mm-hmm. He came in with a head coaching win percentage at 54%, replaced by Trent Johnson, who came from Stanford. Uh, he'd coached at what Utah State, I believe, uh, comes in with a 57% win percentage as a head coach. Johnny Jones comes in. He's now having success, uh, still coaching, but when he took the LSU job, his head coaching record 56%. Will Wade was a big jump. When he comes in after, what, four years at Chattanooga and VCU, his combined win percentage, 67%. Matt McMahon's been at Murray State seven years, his only head coaching job, but that's a lot of years, 70% win percentage. So you've gone 54, 57, 56, 67 to Wade, and now 70 to McMahon. It's clear winning has to mean something, right? So are you impressed just right off the bat with that? And kind of what else jumps out at you in terms of what you've seen and you kind of dug deeply into into his Murray State teams over the past seven years? Yeah, I, I'm impressed with it. Um, obviously, you know, we, Murray State's not in the SEC, not in the Big 12. Like, I watch a ton of SEC and Big 12 basketball for the most part. Um, and so Murray State is usually only on our radar when they're, when they're in the NCAA tournament. And that is pretty often, obviously. And so when you go back and look at them, I, I thought it was interesting the consistency that he was able to have with and without John Morant because you get that generational talent. You're like, okay, obviously he's going to win with him, right? Well, this year's team, they didn't have an NBA star. This year's team uh, beat San Francisco in the first round. A, a team, a lot of San, a San Francisco team, a lot of people had winning. Um, and then obviously you lose to the St. Peter's, but St. Peter's, you know, whatever, it's a Cinderella team. But to make the second round of the NCAA tournament for the second time in seven years at Murray State, and really you can wash out those first two years because I've seen at a small school when you take over a rebuilding program, those first two years are kind of just getting by to a degree. So I really just look at the last five years. In the last five years, they've been top, you know, top 70s, top 60 team in the country year after year. This year they were 36, I believe. And that's higher than eight teams in the SEC. So when when you combine that with what I think is, and what I've heard is be a great X's and O's coach, a great coach in certain areas like offensive rebounding, where his team was 11th this year in offensive rebounding. And I included the stat where I think they were the 230th tallest team in the country. When you put that together with his consistency with and without John Morant, I look at this as, okay, he can do it on the court, but I need to see it in recruiting now. And that's, to me, in the SEC is a significant portion of the battle, right? Uh, getting the talent to compete. And that's what made Will Wade, while we had our questions of, and we had our qualms about him on the court and his and his uh, play and his uh, sets and what his offenses and everything like that, there was no questioning his ability to bring talent in. And from that perspective, I think, we know that McMahon will have a high ceiling because of his his uh, basketball savvy, but can you realize that ceiling? Can you reach that ceiling with the talent? And I have no doubt that he's going to be able to bring in talent because, I mean, you look at other coaches that have gone from a lower level up to the SEC. I mean, look at um, look at Nuss, Muss over at, uh, at Arkansas. I mean, he has brought in plenty of talent, and now they're still, pl- still dancing um, – in this tournament. So I, I, I think they're going to be fine. I'm really pretty high on this hire. I'm not one to usually make, you know, brash like, Oh, this is an A plus hire. This is a D minus hire. You know, 
I kind of just let it play out to a degree until I learn more about him. But on paper, you can't ask for much more with the sanction, the looming sanctions, I should say, the investigation, and just with the situation LSU was put in. I mean, I can't think of much better besides Tony Bennett, I guess. But even then, you know, uh, this is this is a, this is a, still a chance at being. This still has a chance at being a home run swing, and I think that's what excites me is that he's 43, 44, I believe. And he has his career in front of him at this point. So yeah, I, I like the hire on paper. I'm excited to see it. And I think that LSU fans are rightfully excited. So I think, yep, rightfully excited. And I think they're also, I think they're still wondering, right? What are the sanctions? What will the team look like? How quickly can he rebuild the roster? I don't think Maddie B, these are, and maybe you have a better feel for off seasons of college basketball, but I don't think we're going to get a lot of these answers for a while. I think that we'll see what the current team does. I mean, we already know like Tar Eason's going pro. Darius's days, his career's over. I doubt Xavier Pinson is trying to play any more college basketball. I'm not sure what his goal there would be, but so many other guys, they're not really NBA eligible or ready, right? You know, they're not NBA ready right now. And it's going to be about whether they want to stay here and see what happens with postseason stuff or find a new home. And finding a new home takes time uh, in itself. And that means entering the portal and getting a field, you know, back with uh, who might be interested in you and all of that. So I think it's going to be a while. And then obviously there's a flip side. Who's LSU going to bring in and go out and get? Um, I'm curious how long it will be until we hear of kind of what the fallout from the notice of allegations will be. But again, I don't think that's going to be tomorrow or next week or the next week. So getting a hire in was great. We'll get to hear from him uh, this week. So be sure to check the site for that. We're going to hear from Matt McMahon on Wednesday. Maybe he'll touch on kind of his early thoughts on building this out and and what the looming sanctions might mean. Um, But I'm excited to, I guess, for the new chapter. Certainly I'm I'm going to miss Will Wade. He was great to us. He was certainly great to you Mm -hmm. with uh, how much you covered the team. So uh, a final salute to the general. Uh, I know LSU fans are, are going to be rooting for him wherever he ends up. Um, but uh, the page has officially been turned. And Matt, Matt McMahon, it's tough to say for me. I don't know why I keep hitting the I Mac called McMahon. you. I called you and I did not know how to say his last name. I said Matt Mac McMahon. Mahone. I said like Mac Mahone initially. And you were like, and you said McMahon. And I was like, okay, that's how you say it. I'm and then I went on the radio later in the day and I completely forgot how to say it in my head. So I just, I said like the new coach, <laughs> like yeah, I just completely bailed enough. on it. Simple enough. Uh, like, okay. But, but yeah, you do, well, you do bring up the point. And I, I think the last thing I'll say is to go back to your initial point of us being on the trajectory of like, okay, next year's team is the one, like the one that's going to make an elite eight, like the one that's going to really make a push in the top 10 with all this talent and going from that to now we have no clue what next year's team's going to be. And maybe it's good. Maybe they make the tournament, but you know, if you had to bet on it right now, a, even if they're allowed to make the tournament, you would bet against it just because of all the uncertainty at this point. So, um, and again, that's not an indictment on McMahon, but it's just the situation LSU's in right now. So that type of drop in expectations is going to be, I feel like tough for fans initially, but, you know, you kind of just have to ride with it to a degree. So, yeah, that's the last thing I'll say on that. Yeah, well, a lot more coverage of the McMahon era coming. Obviously, the Mulkey era 
is off to a great start. That foundation's been laid. We'll uh, we'll see how quickly he can match it or or try to sustain the level of interest certainly that Wade garnered from the fan base. That was the most uh, butts in the seats at the PMAC uh, as it built up, and this year being the most uh, certainly uh, in a while. So you hate to you hate to lose that grip you had on the fan base. Hopefully he puts a good style of basketball out there and and gets some players that uh, people stick around and and they can continue to compete. Yeah, I was thinking we need a new we need a nickname for McMahon, and I don't know. I thought like like the accountant or something, but then I was like, you don't want anything to do with money. We don't need anything. Oh no, that was terrible. See, this is why you're doing this, and you're not on the LSU marketing team yeah. or, or anything like that. Well, we've got a Maddie B. He could be Maddie Mac. Um, now we'll figure we'll figure it out. We'll feel it out. We went a whole podcast without him talking talking about him recruiting John Morant either, and and I think that's all people like really are holding on right. to at the moment. So plenty more to come, plenty more to come, but uh, enjoyable basketball season on both fronts. Uh, you hate for it to end, but uh, for both teams, you knew the ride was going to come to an end uh, well before, um, you know, the biggest games got rolling. So yeah. uh, happy they made the tournament. Yeah. Enjoyable year. Like you said, to be able to cover these teams first year here, obviously, of course. So I enjoyed it. Um, that'll do it for our podcast today. Uh, you can follow Shay on Twitter at Shay Dixon. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. You can follow us on Twitter at Go247. Check out the site, like Shay said, go to go247.com and become a subscriber if you're not already. So that's all we got for y'all today, and we will talk to y'all later. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.